to Campfire Fireside Chats. This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to this week's Fireside Chat. This week, I had the distinct pleasure of sitting down with the author of A Place Between Time and Space, A True Story of Ghosts, UFOs, and Florida's Strangest Home, and Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. He's also a paranormality mainstay. I mean, he's been there since the beginning. He is none other than Chaz of the Dead, Chaz CMP. He's, you know, he's sort of a man of mystery, but a brilliant dude. We discussed the childhood experience that first lit the Fortean fire under him and discuss what it is that's kept him in the game since then. He's a fascinating guy with some very thoughtful insights on the paranormal industry and the nature of the phenomena itself. You do not want to miss this one. It was a great time. So go support him in everything you do. Links in the description. Buy his books. They're brilliant. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fireside chat with Chaz of the Dead. All right, Chaz, my friend. Thanks for having uh, me on. Glad to be here. Yeah. I just, yeah, I wanted to start by just saying thank you for taking the time to do the show. Super psyched. Of course. Anytime. Uh, I've been uh, enjoying working with you at Paranormality. Um, Loving reading your articles and stuff. So I was uh, glad to be invited on the show. Glad to to share some, some stories and stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we've been um, working together at Paranormality Magazine for like coming up on 18 months now. Oh, yeah. Wow. When you say it like that, yeah. it, feels, <laughs> it feels longer than it's been. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, because November, this past November was a year for me with the magazine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Um, so. Working, working with you at the magazine, I like you're. I've one of the first things I realized was like you're someone who doesn't like. You don't have any problem just putting your opinion out there, like regardless of how people feel about it. Like you don't pull any punches, which I respected right off the bat. Yeah, well, I, I think it is something that there is, um, you know, paranormality. We're definitely a community-based project. We, we try to include people of all perspectives and stuff like that. But in that that vein, we also, you know, love a, a healthy uh, debate and discussion. And I think a lot of, of the paranormal field is kind of, a lot of it is, is based on a little bit of a, a mute politeness where people are kind of like, yeah sure whatever and you kind of just smile and nod and i i'm guilty of a lot of that at uh conventions and stuff and i'm like sure yeah uh-huh <laughs> um and you know we we all have that that barrier though there's something for for every one of us i, I heard um god there was a word for it a researcher coined recently it was the um the um Oh, the wonder barrier. No, that wasn't it. it was something, something clever like that, where it's um, you know every researcher throughout history in this you know fourteen field 
has left stuff out of their research because it's too weird. And no matter what they were looking into, what what era you go to, people were like, well, I can't put that in because people yeah. are gonna think I'm crazy. Even though you're talking about UFOs or ghosts or, or whatever yeah. it is, um, there's that, that wall. And um, I think a, a, a good portion of building this community, this, this paranormal community beyond just ghosts, just, uh, Bigfoot and UFOs, to look at this perspective from a, a wider angle um, is, is tearing down those walls and kind of challenging those norms. And um, honestly, it, it comes from a lot of places you wouldn't suspect. Uh, we were talking before we hit record, but Ghost Adventures fan accounts, man, they can get real mad about <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, I wrote an article about MUFON and they were super upset about that as well, even though it was... You know, genuine questions about how they're they're operating. They've been uh, using their funds kind of strangely. They've increased their pay while not really producing any any meaningful um, research. Yeah. Um, while also having some people arrested for pedophilia, they had to fire a bunch of executives for racism. There's they've, yep. they've had their issues, uh, and you know, so yeah, I, I think. Uh, um, a lot of the paranormal, when we discussed this before, we have recorded as well. A lot of it includes this like real bravado, like badass. You know, we gotta. Yeah. This is tough. We're tough yeah. guys doing a, a tough thing, even though yeah. we're just talking into voice recorders overnight at the the you know museum or whatever it is. Yeah, and so I, I think. There is definitely a space in this field to kind of push that buck a little bit and challenge some of those perspectives because, you know, people, whatever they believe, they want to be taken seriously. And so to be taken seriously, we've got to create a more serious discussion. And that, unfortunately for some people, involves taking away that little pat on the back, sure, okay, pal, um, kind of uh, attitude. I think... I mean, it's always felt strange to me how people in this community kind of treat each other with kid gloves, you know, Mm. and because this is a fringe niche, right? right? Like, it's, it's so odd to me the way people like sort of cling to the respect of people in the community, Mm -hmm. like in a community that is it's like they don't realize that most people look at this stuff as like silly. You know what I mean? Like we're we're already in like a a very small percentage of the population. Yeah. Who's, and that's not to say, you know, I think a a good portion of the population believe in, in something more bizarre, but that doesn't mean they're looking into it. The people who are looking into it and researching it, we're a pretty slim percentage. It's definitely, The, the majority of people are like, no, thank you, when it comes to, right. uh, to bizarre paranormal stuff. And again, that ties back to a lot of, you know, uh, religious and uh, cultural implications and educations and differences sure. and things like that. But um, <clears throat> that, that small group, it is pretty bizarre how divided they can, uh, can get, considering there's really not that many of us in, in yeah. the big picture. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's what I think it's a side effect of the internet as well. You know, when people are 
are writing behind a screen and a, a you know a animated avatar. You just don't have that same kind of empathetic conversation, face to face, that that discussion that occurs, and we see that in politics and stuff like that. But we definitely see it in the the paranormal, I think, because it's you know it's easier to call someone an asshole in 130 characters than it is to have an eloquent, you know, well-rounded response to something. Yes. Uh, so people are going to go with the the former instead of the latter. Yeah, and I think. Uh, another symptom of the internet is you sort of get in this bubble, right? And it's oh, really sure. easy to get this idea that the space you're in is much larger than it actually is, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, if uh, you only ever go on UFO Twitter, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. you suddenly think that's the whole world, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Like, Those and, people are, are intense. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. Those nuts and bolts um, people take their nuts and bolts very fucking seriously. Well, and it's even for me, it's even more bizarre than that. You've got people like defending Lou Elizondo, like he's Zach Baggins, like he's exactly, been on yeah. air for twenty years. When this dude, we didn't know who he was until two years ago, and people yeah. are like staking their reputation and name <laughs> and and really yeah. serious insults. People's mothers are being insulted. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> It's no, it's it's very bizarre, um, and I think uh, uh, it was Robert Anton Wilson. He talked about this in um, Prometheus Rising, which is a great kind of occult, uh, modern occult writing about yes. reality tunnels. And he was talking about this back in the '60s, where yep. you know, especially as you grow older, you your your tunnel of reality thickens, yep. and this tunnel is only so wide so it only accepts information that that is allowed inside that information that you'll accept and you know he's pretty honest about your reality tunnel will thicken no matter what but the best thing you can do is just try to actively keep it open actively yeah. work on on being open and hearing people out and hearing that other perspective and um, it's weird because uh, on the internet, that perspective, what, you, what used to be a, a appreciated, what used to be called wisdom, I suppose, yeah. is, is now like a fuck you, dude. <laughs> like yeah. People hate that. It's just another asshole type opinion, which, again, what are you going to do? Um, but it's uh, in the paranormal realm, I actually think it it presents that that confrontation does present an opportunity here because it has been unproductive for for decades maybe even centuries though i yeah. i posit the spiritualists were getting a lot more phenomenon than modern day ghost hunters if they were telling the truth who knows sure, sure. <laughs> those, those fuckers from the 1800s we know they were shifty <laughs> they, they right. could have been lying but yeah, well, if they are to believe, be believed, they definitely had a lot more ectoplasm and shit than we get That's at true. our um, <clears throat> modern day ghost hunts. Though I do I mean, think the 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 similarities between the seance and the, the modern ghost hunt, um, at least the productive ones, are way more similar to each other than they aren't. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, agree. when I go on a ghost hunt, I try to. Pro- avoid the term ghost hunt i prefer digital seance because i think when you put yourself in that headspace that you're you're conjuring 
Um, yeah. It's a little more effective. Um, I like that mostly because it sounds like a Nine Inch Nails album. <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> badass. Exactly. <laughs> That's what yeah. we're going for. We're, we're trying to, to ramp it up here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it's, 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 it's definitely presents... I mean, it's such an interesting field and, and folklore in general. It's um, been something that's part of humanity, these stories from time immemorial. It's it's a, a key aspect of the human condition. And so, um, you know, whoever, you're, you're going to have people who laugh it off, but those same people also might take science, which is, again been with us from time immemorial yeah. or religion or any of these other things that have been up they'll take something like that serious and so it's it's i think worthy of study just like those those other things are yeah agreed now are you someone who because you have you do go on digital seances right yeah. um are you someone who who believes that this phenomenon can be measured scientifically so I'm of the opinion that there are contributing factors to the phenomena. I think that there's been enough, uh, despite the misguided efforts of uh, a lot of the ghost hunters and investigators out there, there's been enough of ac- enough accidental evidence um, encountered to prove that there are some physical um triggers i would say to yeah. to paranormal activity. or side effects maybe right yeah. and and this is understood this is what science uses quote unquote yeah. big science um, <laughs> uses to uh oh, write off a lot of paranormal phenomena right they sure. they say oh <clears throat> um a special electromagnetic field it fucks with your brains electricity causes you to hallucinate and that's what it is and essentially that's the same thing ghost hunters are detecting with their EMF field yeah. or detecting that. So again, there's this um, there was this great study, I think it was in the 90s, where they they did a um, brainwave analysis on a bunch of nuns who were praying and they showed that they were like having this huge electrical activity in their brain when they were doing it. And they showed it to scientists and the scientists were like, well, there you go. It explains the religious feelings. It explains all that that kind yeah. of shit. They showed it to the backwards. nuns, and the nuns were like, "Well, there you go. There's it proves God. God is real. Like yeah, that's exactly. the touch of God." Oh, <laughs> and so it's um, it's something that I come up a, a lot in this um, field. I call it a photarticism. I stole that word from a comedy podcast. I don't even remember what it means anymore. But for <laughs> me, it means a piece of information that is both seen to confirm a belief and deny a belief. And the paranormal is filled with those phototicisms where it it totally, it's a piece of information that skeptics will say, well, that debunks it. And believers will say that confirms it. Um, Another one comes with um, gas leaks. There's a lot of, there's a famous Ted talk about, this lady who had a gas leak in her home and it, her home was haunted and she's like and it turns out it was just a gas leak and we were all high as shit sure. <laughs> that's pretty much what her TED talk <laughs> rounds up to be and um, I think that 
both of those things can be true. I think they were high as shit, but also might have been experiencing physical phenomena because I think our the research suggests, and whether it's UFOs, Bigfoot, or ghosts, the research suggests that the the phenomenon is is somewhat based around our consciousness. We yeah. are are interacting with it at a a you know, electron particle based level. Uh, I hesitate to say quantum because nowadays <laughs> that's such a sci-fi word, but yeah, essentially that's what it is. We're, we're painting this experience, um, but something's still occurring. Something at the, the root level of, of physics is, yeah. is occurring. That is unexplainable. Yeah, that, um, that whole concept of co-creation, right? Where it's your right. your consciousness mingling with the other, whatever whatever the other is, right? Whatever the source of of the phenomena yeah, there's a, is. A, a great book by Dr. Robert Lanza, um, who write, wrote this book, Biocentrism, about this idea that biological observance is a key aspect to reality. And essentially, we're, we're, and I love this, I, it's, as cheesy as it is, I think it's great that we can all just say the Matrix, and everyone knows what <laughs> yeah. we're talking about, yeah. but it's essentially like a video game, like the Matrix. You render your reality around you, but so is every other living being, essentially, is rendering right. a portion of reality. And it gets into the idea that the dark matter is the unrendered portions of reality and, and these kinds of, of concepts. Uh, but he's a neurosurgeon, so he goes from it from this biological perspective. And again, he's much more qualified to talk about the math and science aspect. Sure. I, I'm a ghost UFO guy. Right. <laughs> he he does the science bits. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah. why I always got my book recommendations, because... Uh, I'm sure people, there's some people out there who want to get into all that, and I'm not the the, the vessel to convince you of <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, but I know uh, some co- quality recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm more of a conceptual guy myself, too. So right. I love I love reading those books like that, and then and you absorb it, but you know, on a certain level, you're just like searching for the for a grasp on the concept. Right. right, and you're like, once I have a grasp on this concept, then I have what I need from this book. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of one of those right now with this dude who I believe is based here in Florida. So hopefully, I'm going to get an in-person interview. But it's into my whole this whole UFO rabbit hole. I've been following this concept of human-based quantum fluid propulsion technology <laughs> and this guy's got a whole like he's got all of these magazines called quantum hologram technology and it's so dense <laughs> and I'm like wow. trying to wade through it so but hopefully he theoretically has some technology to prove this shit interesting um, so we'll, we'll see again that's why I love doing it, though, is it's never boring. There's always something new. Every time I'm like, I think I've, I've, I've explored this subject to its its uh, zenith. It's done. I've researched <laughs> everything. Nope. <laughs> There's always some someone else spinning something where I'm like, well, right. what's all this about? <laughs> and you find, like, 50 people in Bakersfield who believe something completely different and have legitimate reasons to believe it. Right. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, there's oh, yeah. always another fifty people. 
Well, the UFO ones is especially tricky. Every day I wake up thinking it's something different. I'm like, it's humans for sure. The next day I'm like, no way. It's definitely interdimensional <laughs> time travel, whatever. <laughs> and it's just one of those ones where, I don't know, man. It's, it's tricky. But um, of all those, how often are you waking up thinking like, these are aliens physically traveling from another planet? Almost never. Yeah, almost, almost never. Better. I think the extraterrestrial hypothesis kind of falls flat. I, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm counting it out too much. Um, certainly, if humans discovered the technology and there are other sentient beings out there, they could have discovered it as well. Especially if the quantum fluid thing's true, which means it would be a more um, common, pervasive technology even than electricity, um, according to some of the research out there. But um, I don't know the the all of the motives, all of the actions conducted by the the UFOs, the aliens, they, they lean more human in nature to me. Yeah. Um, and it does. It, 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 there's some base theory things that I find interesting about the extraterrestrial hypothesis. One, it's very hopeful. It's almost like believing in a god, right? Sure. That there is other aliens out there and they have, they're have they somewhat human-like, you know what I mean? Right. That's another one of those weird things. They're all anthropomorphic. They all kind of match. And yeah. again, you see that in all the other paranormal archetypes. It's what Carl Jung called an archetype. Yeah. You have your Hatmans, your Bigfoots. All of them are bipedal kind of yeah. look like dudes they kind of look like people yeah and again that i think goes is a tally towards that it's you know something going on up here our mind is processing yeah. something that's maybe too complex and we're just going to be like okay well then we're going to make it a creepy little dude right we're <laughs> instead truncating of it trying to comprehend what's going on here yeah um, yeah, I, I think you see a lot of the the modern skinwalker phenomenon might be a, a side effect of that because for the first time ever in history, you have people who don't really believe in angels or demons. They don't really believe in aliens necessarily, and they see something in the woods, and their mind does the best they can to fill in the blanks. Okay, so we're in the woods, so it must be like a deer or a bear or something like that. So it gives it that kind of general appearance, but it's not quite that. So we got to make sure it looks, you know, human. It's got almost sure. an intelligence to it. So the mind gives it that human shape to display intelligence. Um, and then it also makes it creepy as hell because you don't know what it is. We better get away from it. Exactly. And so that's your, your mind doing that quick filter. You get those bizarre kind of creatures. And again, the, the Native American lore of the skinwalkers, it's a shapeshifter. It's more of a classic yeah. story. It occurs all over the world. The one, but the reports you get on the internet nowadays are always of these bizarre. You know, um, they have the mimicking aspect of it, which is common in poltergeist phenomenon. Um, but the the physical sightings of the apparitions are usually these bizarre kind of creatures, and it's usually in that that younger, um, you know, kind of millennial Gen Z. Uh, generation who sees these kind of skinwalkers. It's more of a, a modern ooh, modern um, uh, phenomenon occurring there. And I think 
in previous years, that was, you know, the devil at the crossroad. People would see yeah. satyrs or whatever it was because that was in the, the lexicon. That was in the, the education. No, that makes sense. It's, you know, now that the all the biblical concepts have been sort of rejected by a generation and they have to find their version of it when they encounter this whatever it is right mm, there's error in reality what and again right. now we're um, seeing dogmen instead of demons right so it's it's that concept of the the trickster with the many masks there's been a lot of uh, research into that aspect and even that i think gives it a little too much agency because these true paranormal events they seem to almost operate uh they they operate almost not paying attention to us they don't really care if we see them kind of deal the cameras always fail around them there seems to be and i think that's again another aspect of that because you know their rendering in our reality depends on biological observance and a camera is kind of a wrench into that that process yeah um so when you talk about stuff at like uh skinwalker ranch where they set up cameras and those cameras the phenomenon would start to occur just outside the camera so they set up cameras to watch those cameras and those cameras would just fail they would be tampered with or something weird would happen to them and they wouldn't work um I, I think again, the the phenomenon operates in this way where reality almost bends in a way where whoever witnesses it is essentially tripping. So no one's going to believe them. Right. <laughs> it's like coming back from a, a heavy DMT trip and trying to describe it. Yeah. It's going to sound nonsensical, and people are going to write it off. And I think that that occurs pretty often in this uh, this field. I think um, I think that's a, a really good point. Like the addition of a camera is it's you're injecting this objective viewpoint into a subjective situation or experience. Right. And it kind of like reality kind of struggles to to balance both. Right. To let both right. exist simultaneously. But, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> OK, so my original plan for this was to learn about you. and i mean i think we have through you know through the conversation so far but i'm curious like what okay so i i kind of when we first met through the magazine my first thought of you was like this is just like another guy who's into this stuff right and then i find out that you like traveled to south america or something to write your first book yeah chile (laughs) yeah that you were like and i'm like wait is this guy actually fucking legit (laughs) <laughs> like he's actually out there doing shit. Um, so like, I'm, I'm really curious how you got into all this. Like, I'm sure you like watched all the shows and all that. Like everyone answers that question, right? <laughs> that we've all heard a billion times, but like what, what I think, I guess what got you to the level where you're like dedicating so much of your life to it? Well, I think like a, a lot of people who are really invested in this, um, I had a I had a childhood experience that kind of of sparked me uh, on this path, um, and it was it, it's kind of um, cliche. It's not like anything to to really write home about, but it was a um, 
my, my parents had built this bunk bed on top of this other bed, and I had moved into the bottom bunk. My older brother got this top bunk. Um, and one night, after the, shortly after this move, I fell out of bed and woke up, and there was a pair of red eyes staring back at me. And again, I'm like eight or nine. I was a kid. One of my first beds without like a bar or something. Yeah. To, so first time, close to first time rolling out of bed. And the, the red eyes were like a, like a Halloween graphic. They weren't, they were flaming at the edges. One of those like pasties you'd stick on your window. Sure. Um, like a no fear logo. Yeah, it, it was, it was, you know, something a kid would expect to see that was yeah. real scary. And so I hopped back in bed, put the blanket over my head, as you do. You're safe. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the blankets <laughs> over the head. Every kid yep. knows this. And, you know, I, I waited till the morning. And morning arrives, and I'm young, but I'm, like, rational. I'm, I'm thinking at this point. And so with the safety of daylight, I'm like, I'm going to find whatever that was under there that must have been a toy with like a power light that was red and maybe in the night i had just seen you know something weird and my older brother is coming down this the ladder of the top bunk and he sees what i'm doing and he asks with this shocked look on his face did you see the eyes too and he was terrified because he had had the same experience um a few months prior and so for me, that was the the aha experience. Like, holy shit, something. No, something's going on. There is something more to to paranormal phenomenon um, and our reality. And so um, <clears throat> it's interesting. It had the opposite effect on my my brother, where he became much more scientific minded and stuff like that. He wanted to to debunk all paranormal phenomenon. And I've lost Jordan. He's gone. All right, podcast listeners. It's Chaz's show now. I'm taking over. <laughs> um, buy my books. Chazofthedead.com. Paranormality Magazine. <laughs> Use code Chaz to save 10%. And you know what? Chaz makes a little piece of the cut, too, when you use it. So <laughs> go, go, go flock to the website now. Buy, buy the magazine. Buy Ovaltine. <laughs> Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. This is the secret message hidden within the subtext of this episode. Brought to you by Ovaltine and Paranormality Magazine. <laughs> Paranormality Magazine, a community-based project on the paranormal. Come write and read and be merry. Paranormality. All right, that's all I got. Now it's just gonna be dead air. <laughs> all right, so we were definitely just interrupted. Probably Men in Black trying to stop us, but almost certainly. <laughs> um, but yeah, my um, my my childhood experience. Uh, red eyes under the 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 bed there, and um, yeah, <clears throat> my brother had seen the same thing, and so that at the very least proved to me there was something to you know ghost stories and things that go bump in the night and it's not like we lived in a a haunted house or anything it's not like we were constantly plagued by poltergeist activity it was really more of a one-off event and even then though you know when i i think about it now and even back then it 
it must have been some kind of shared dream. But even sure. that, you know, is, is against scientific knowledge. Yeah, that's yeah. not that's paranormal. It's something happening beyond our our understanding. And so for me, it kind of awoke this greater curiosity in the subject. Um, and from there, I went into the the more ghost hunting type background through my my preteens, which. To be honest, is what a lot of that content is aimed at. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's for twelve and thirteen year olds, for sure. Um, and it, it was an interesting back. It, you know, it was interesting, and um, I was really fortunate. I had uh, very supportive parents. They were like, "Oh, you're into ghost hunting? Here's a Ouija board and a camcorder." <laughs> they, were, That's awesome. they were like, "Go for it," you know. Yes. Um, which I think uh, is uh, a, a lot of people's parents wouldn't have uh, uh, gone to that <laughs> yeah. that level with it. Um, <laughs> but they were like, you know, nothing's going to yeah. happen. It's a toy They're from like, Hasbro. Uh, and for the most part, they were right. There was some weird stuff here and there, but yeah. uh, it, they, they were very supportive with it. But very quickly, I found the ghost hunting techniques this dissatisfactory yeah. they, they weren't quite cutting it the whole EVPs and listening to static and then trying to pick out words from it the, the looking at blurry photos all of it was kind of you know uh, silly at a certain point yeah. um, lackluster right and so um, very quickly I branched out into some of the other paranormal mysteries and I was really of the perspective for a long time that, you know, we live in a, like, diverse multiverse and there's a lot of varying phenomenon occurring and, you know, Bigfoots are one thing and UFOs are maybe aliens and, you know, we got ghosts in, in the play there and whatnot. Until diving into further research and discovering some of the ideas of... of the, the similarities between the phenomenon. But really, for me, the, the convincer was an experiment I did with um, mushroom teas and Ouija board experiments. And um, this was um, in my late teens, as, as many Florida youths are, I was exposed to some psychedelics. Sure. And, you know, where a lot of people were like, oh, cool, let's go to music festivals. I was like, no, 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 let's go to ghost hunts. This is where <laughs> this stuff is going to really shine. Um, <clears throat> and I, I took that Ouija board my parents provided me and I uh, did, I, I brewed some mushroom teas and every weekend for a month, which is bad. You should stick to the, the uh, three to six month rule. You should space yeah. those out. Um, but I, every weekend for a month and a half, I did these experiments, taking the teas and using the Ouija board, um, trying to get some legitimate phenomenon. And during the sessions, nothing happened. But in the times between the sessions, when I wasn't actively tripping, the times before and after, I started to see some weird shit in the sky. And the first one was this, this kind of object that... Um, like exploded into a bunch of tiny objects and I thought maybe it was like a satellite re-entering or, or something like that. Sure. Um, and there were a couple other instances but the one that convinced me something was occurring was uh, one night I was sitting on my, my back porch with a buddy of mine and we were um, 
having a smoke and talking about these experiments, and he was doing what a lot of listeners, I assume, are doing right now, being like, okay, dude, Ouija boards and mushrooms. <laughs> you, you've lost the plot, my friend. And I was like, all right, fair enough. I, I, I understand that perspective. I can see that. And almost ironically, we start to hear this metallic hum in this large triangle craft, a light in each corner, one of these classic UFO shapes, Yep. Just cruised right above us. And it was low. It was right above the tree line. I could have hit it with a rock if I was standing in the street. Wow. And it just buzzed right above us. And my friend had never seen a UFO before or since. And he was like, well, shit, that's a UFO. <laughs> and it, it yeah. felt kind of poignant that we were having that conversation and this, this thing appear. Um, so that was, you know, the moment where I kind of realize there's there's a greater connection occurring between the phenomenon than just you know dead people from the 1800s and then a, a lost monkey in the woods and then you know uh aliens from a different planet now something yeah. is is occurring on a, a baser level involving our consciousness um and i've been researching the paranormal from that perspective um ever since but I do try to, that being said, I do try to take a base up approach where a lot of investigators that are coming from their perspective of whether it's, you know, demons or whatever it is, and then cherry picking evidence to match that. I try to avoid that, uh, that, that tendency to do cherry pick for the, the psychedelic evidence, because again, there is, like we were discussing at the, the start of the show, there is a lot of of hoopla <laughs> and mixed in with this uh, this field where there is a lot of varying opinions and scams and things floating around in that sphere. And people um, get very defensive of the camp that they're in. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they want to, you know, everyone wants to be right. Yeah. Um, and when the, the answer is, well, it's probably too complex for our brains to understand, that's, yeah. it's, it's quite infuriating. It's not a very uh, clean answer. <laughs> but it, that doesn't mean we, we give up, though, because I think that is simply a, a temporary state. Um, we were discussing earlier the concept, however cheesy it is, of the matrix and simulation theory. The yeah. fact that I can say the matrix, two words, to encapsulate what really is a deep, a, a thousand yeah. years ago would have been a deeply complex yeah. idea to portray to someone, I can get across in two words. And yeah. so it shows that we are making those steps, those steps towards uh, an understanding. And I think that's what modern paranormal investigation is. It's, it is, we're at the alchemy stage where we're the wizards and dungeons mixing sludges, trying out weird tech and shit, trying to figure out what this stuff is. And in a thousand years, that alchemy will be chemistry. Those made up words and processes will actually mean something. They'll yeah. have uh, physical properties associated. Uranium will be, instead of just some made-up word, will be an actual thing. Yeah. Um, just like maybe ectoplasm will be one day. And, I really like that um, perspective. That's like it, that's incredibly optimistic. 
I like it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I think that's the 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 best we can hope for in this scenario because I do think it's that that complex. I think yeah. what's occurring when we talk about paranormal activity, these these events that have you know altered history in one way or another, from you know your your sightings of Fatima to Guadalupe, all of the the miracles to modern-day UFO abductions and things like that. Something physical is absolutely occurring. But sure. there is there is the cultural lens that paints it, and that, that's something that's unavoidable. There's been a case I've been looking at um, in Namibia in southern Africa, and I'm really trying to get out there soon to, to look into it in person. Um but it involves your your kind of classic light sphere in the desert scenario. And in the 1800s, the the colonialists in the area, the the Kalahari area there, they would see this light sphere and get close and it would be your classic woman in white type ghost. Um, Nowadays, the lights follow cars and stuff and it's associated with UFOs, kind of like the Marfa lights in Texas. but in this one region close to the, the border with South Africa, they see the same light sphere, but when it gets close, it is a flying snake. Um, and it's interesting to note the properties of this flying snake. It has smoke coming out of its nose. It has this big glowing light on its head, which is why it looks like a light sphere from far, far away. But it has this heat associated with it. It leaves these scorch marks very similar to a UFO. Yeah. And its most sim- most uh, common trait is that it sucks the blood out of sheep, out of cattle. It leaves wow, these okay. two perfectly burned puncture wounds and sucks mm-hmm. out all of the, the blood and oftentimes the organs as well of these sheep, leaving out so, these hollow husks, which again... Classic cattle mutilation. Classic, yeah, your classic yeah. cattle mutilation. And um, it's interesting to note that this one region does have a less there it is slightly less colonized than some of the other regions in the area um that being said some of the best witness accounts of this flying snake come from white settlers so it it seems like moving into the region also affects your psychic perspective of the phenomenon you're you're affected by your neighbors and I think there's a, a really fascinating study that kind of supports this from an anthropological perspective. Um, and it's in the same region, in the Kalahari, where the these researchers went to these Kalahari Bushmen, these tribal people, um, and they did this really simple color test. It's um, nine circles on one page, nine circles on another page. On one page... Nine, eight of them are green, one of them's turquoise. On the other one, all nine of them are green, except one of them is one shade different green. Like if you're in Photoshop and you tap the up arrow, it is yeah. one shade different. Okay. So slight, slow, so minute that you and I can't tell the difference. Yeah. No, no chance. Um, and they gave this color test to the Kalahari Bush people. And all of them could pick out the different green circle. That one. Obviously, it's that one. But when they were presented the one with the turquoise circle, it was like 
70% of them missed it. They were like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this one, maybe that one. Interesting. They, they couldn't, they couldn't perceive this color and they don't have a word in their language for blue or for turquoise. And there's these even weirder historical studies about how the color blue didn't exist until the uh, opening of the, the Silk Road um, because indigo wasn't present in Europe. And there are weird things, like the color blue is never mentioned in Homer's The Odyssey or The sure. Iliad. The, the ocean's described as wine-colored. And there's this whole idea that the, the concept of blue didn't exist. Um, and I think that as that becomes more studied, we will we'll get a, a bigger understanding of the, the paranormal. Because I think that is um, the main factor of what contributes to, to the varying reports. Is that there's, there's a cultural um, language base. There, there's several factors that go into it. But there... There's a trend occurring amongst the phenomenon. Um, the light sphere is one in, in particular. You see that in ghost hunting, even though most of the ghost orbs <laughs> yeah, you see yeah. on TV, it's bugs and dust. Sure. It is 100%. I have never seen a convincing ghost orb yeah. on a television show. If you can't see it with your eyes, if it's not physically giving off that much light, then yeah. it's probably dust or a bug. I think orbs are slowly, or quickly rather, going the way of rods. Oh yeah, they're getting out of there. People are are definitely uh, uh, losing interest in that, which, again, good good moving forward. But I I think the physical light orb is ball lightning, as it were. And that's always, I think, a good indicator when science has come up with some explanation that doesn't really make sense yeah that's how you know it's a real phenomenon (laughs) and so ball lightning and again even in the legitimate reports of ball lightning the ball lightning shows this kind of sentience it like inspects things it like diverts it its path it doesn't follow the wires and stuff all the time like it should according to, to science um and so when you have those kind of, of sloppy scientific explanations yeah. thrown on top by debunkers, you know you're on to like, something. Like, oh, something's here. Yeah. Because even with the legit scientific explanation for ball lightning gets to a point where they're like, but we don't really know why. <laughs> we right. No one really understands why it does this or why it exists exactly. at all. Yeah. And. You, you have the, the commonalities really between a lot of, of the phenomenon beyond just the light spheres. You have, um, I think Bigfoot's the perfect example of this because if you boil down the best Bigfoot evidence, he's a poltergeist. There's no, yeah. He leaves gifts, he leaves items. You have the apportation of items that happens in most poltergeist cases, things teleporting, moving, or appearing randomly from nowhere, especially yeah. rocks. Poltergeist love to teleport rocks, and Bigfoot loves to throw rocks. Yep. Um, you have the creating of structures. He stacks up a bunch of sticks, just like a, a poltergeist likes to stack up your chairs and and dishes and weird yep. formations and things like that. Forks uh, on you the have floor. the vocalizations, the growls, the weird noises. The same way poltergeists will shout and and scream and knock. 
the yeah. knocking, <laughs> tree knocking, all of it. It lines up perfectly with poltergeist phenomenon. You know, um, Joshua Cutchin has a term that he's coined for this, mm-hmm. Wal- Waldergeist, which means loud forest. Loud forest. I think that's perfect. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because I, I do, and I think, the, the again, the process of a Bigfoot hunt is much more akin to a seance than it yes. is to hunting an animal. Yeah. Um, because you do. You do the knockings. You do the invitations. You leave gifts. It's... Yep. it's it, if you're hunting a deer, you sit in the blind, and <laughs> yeah. if you're baiting them, that's usually illegal, so you're not doing it's that. It's true, it's true. <laughs> you're not leaving food. <laughs> uh, nope. But if you're doing it ethically, you're sitting in a blind and waiting, and that yeah. is essentially what, if it was a traditional animal, that would what Bigfooting would entail. Yeah. But, but no, they're out there giving tributes, paying tribute to it. Right. You're leaving yeah. items, you're doing the knockings, you're you're doing the invoking, as yeah. it were. Um, and again, you there's a bunch of good old boys who hate hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> because they're of they're course. church going folk. And yeah. to find out their their hobbies, witchcraft. Controversial <laughs> yeah, exactly. opinion. Uh, um, that's another and we were talking before off mic, but like that's another reason why I loved Hellier, right? Because they mm-hmm. had Dana out there, like, leaving food offerings and paying tribute and doing all of her ritualistic stuff. And I think that's like, I don't know, I just love that aspect of it. And I love that they embraced that, right? Yeah, I, I think it's certainly um, a good aspect of it. And again, it's a fine line because if you yeah. if you've ever watched the show where they let like a TV psychic run wild, sure. it can yeah. go it can go in the opposite direction pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it it's difficult to find that. I think the the new Kirks do a, a great job of it of that delicate balance because you you have to at a certain point acknowledge okay my consciousness my thoughts. My ideas, the, the the psychic realm is in play here. Yeah. Um. So I've got to to you know adjust my thinking, adjust yeah. my perspective. Whether that's you know I like to do that by taking uh, some substances here or sure. there. I think that's a, a a quick little way to do that. Yeah. But even shortcut. sitting around a campfire and telling a story, I that's the that's the original psychedelic drug. Yes. And no matter what the paranormal location is, the the commonality is a story. Beyond light spheres, beyond apportations, beyond the viewing of strange worlds, all of that, the most common aspect of paranormal things is a story, a, yes. a, a location with a history. And yep. it seems that that little bit is enough of a psychedelic kickstart to potentially create some phenomena. Yeah. I yeah. I think and I think that's a fantastic note to end on. I love that. Like yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. the stories are what bind us, right? That's that's what keeps us coming back. Absolutely. Always. Yeah. So okay, before we go Tell the audience where to find you, where to follow you, anything cool you have coming up that you want them to know about. 
Um, yeah, so you can find me at Chaz of the Dead on all the social medias. Um, Instagram, Twitter, I do fun TikToks at Haunted Locations. Um, <clears throat> you can find all of my articles, podcast appearances, and books at ChazOfTheDead.com. Um, I've got some, yeah, my first book, I went down to Chile to look into a UFO case. Um, my other one I did here in Florida on a, uh, abandoned haunted mansion. Um, it's some weird stuff. Hollywood ready. Call me. <laughs> Producers, <laughs> let's do this. Um, check that out because it's some weird stuff. Um, and yeah, check out Paranormality Magazine, which uh, is a great outlet for all kinds of uh, high strangeness and, and weirdness. I think uh, yes. if you're into any of these subjects, there's uh, plenty more to be found at Paranormality. So yeah, awesome. thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for doing this. I, I definitely want to have you back to and to just talk us through the friendship case. Yeah, let's like, do it. We'll do yeah. some dives into the, the books. Um, yeah. We'll do the friendship one. And then depending on how how politics go in the, the coming years, the second book has an interesting connection to one Florida governor slash potential presidential. <laughs> okay. Which might make an interesting episode. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, that would be good. Let's do it. couple yeah. episodes. Let's line Excellent. It up. Excellent. Thank you for thank you, man. This was it was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown. unknown.